Hello and welcome to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and once again we are going to look back at the career and life of one of the earliest silent stars of Hollywood. Mary Miles Minter is our subject this week, so come back after this message. We toast them crisp, we toast them light, you can tell by the taste we toast them. They're a tasty treat, so good to eat, delicious and light from toast them. And you know what? We like them. And you know what? I like them too. Um, welcome back to Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. Like I said, I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and thank you for tuning in, or downloading, hitting the button, whatever you do. This week on the show, the life of Mary Miles Minter. Oh, well, I didn't mention what our ad was, and it was for Post Toasties. Not our sponsor, just an old ad I found on the internet, and there you go. So anyway, Mary Miles Minter... She's been mentioned a couple of times in the podcast because she was associated with the William Desmond Taylor case, the unsolved mis- the unsolved murder rather of William Desmond Taylor. So we mentioned her in there, but now we're going to get into her life and uh, career specifically. Mary Miles Minter, who I love her name. That's it's a great name. Was born in April twenty fifth, nineteen o two, and she passed away. August 4th, 1984, so 82 years old. She was uh, an actress, obviously, like I said, of the silent era of Hollywood. She appeared in 54 motion pictures. In 1922, like I said at the top, was involved in the scandal surrounding the murder of uh, director William Desmond Taylor, for whom she professed her basically undying love. Gossip implicated her mother, former actress Charlotte Shelby, as the murderer. Minter's reputation was tarnished, and she gave up her movie career in 1923. She was born Juliet Riley in Shreveport, Louisiana, the uh, younger sister of Margaret Riley, who later became an actress using the name Margaret Shelby. At the age of five, she accompanied her sister Margaret on an audition, because no babysitter was available. She was noticed by the director and given her first part at the age of five. She began her stage career and was frequently employed afterwards. Widely noted for both her talent and her visual appeal, she is beautiful. The picture that I've put up, that I've downloaded and put up, is uh, she's striking. To avoid the child labor laws in place at the time, which were loose, (laughs) but still in an effort to avoid them, the 10-year-old was appearing in a play in Chicago, This is in 1912. Her mother, Charlotte, obtained the birth certificate of her elder sister's, Margaret's, deceased daughter from Louisiana. And Juliet became Mary Miles Minter. So, let's go over that again. (laughs) To avoid... She's 10 years old. In 1912, her mother gets the birth certificate of Margaret's daughter from Louisiana. I guess her name was Mary. Interesting. So, in her screen debut, she was billed as as Juliet Shelby. She was in the One Reeler. It's a drama called The Nurse, 1912. After that, her new stage name was applied, and Minter starred in the role of Viola Drayton, the fairy, in the movie The Fairy and the Waif, 1915. That's a five-reel feature-length drama. Uh, her career steadily it took off. She specialized in playing demure young women. She had very photogenic features, uh, blue eyes and curly blonde hair. 
she emulated and later came to rival one of the biggest stars at the time, Mary Pickford. Now, she came to rival her in the early 20s. It's not, not over the career length, you know, of the entire span of her career. She first worked for director William Desmond Taylor in the Anne of Green Gables picture in 1919. Um, been lots of adaptations of Anne of Green Gables. And we're trying to get my daughter into that currently, but she's less than less than uh, psyched about it. Anyway, she was in Anne of Green Gables in 1919, and it was well received. The director Taylor actively promoted Minter as a star, and according to her, a romantic relationship developed between them. She had grown up fatherless said that Taylor had reservations about their uh, their relationship from the outset and later curtailed the romance because there was a 30-year difference in their ages. Other people who knew Taylor and Minter said that he never reciprocated her feelings. So she just had, she had a huge crush on him. Sounds like they fooled around a couple of times maybe, or, you know, at least possibly. And then, uh, and then he got like, well, what am I doing here? This doesn't seem right. So on February 1st, 1922, Taylor is murdered in his home, a two-story bungalow apartment on Alvarado Street in the Westlake area of Los Angeles. The ensuing scandal, which followed the Fatty Arbuckle scandal, which happened a year earlier in 1921, not even a year, and the trial, and his trial was the subject of widespread media speculation and embellishment. Newspapers reported that this is on the uh, Desmond Taylor scandal. Newspapers started reporting that there were coded love letters written by Minter, and they had been found in his bungalow after his death. These were later shown to have been written three years earlier in 1919, when they had first, I guess, began their relationship. Minter was at the height of her success, having starred in more than 50 films, and newspaper revelations of the 20-year-old star's association with the 49-year-old murdered director caused a sensation, and the papers ran with it. So in 1922, she's 20. So she's 17 in 1919. Now it's a different time, but she's underage. I don't know when the, uh, the age of consent you know, was changed to 18 or anything, but it, it was, uh, still pretty scandalous that they were, that they were in love with one another, so, you know, according to, the, according to them. There were several suspects in the murder, including the mother, Charlotte Shelby. It was a long investigation of Taylor's murder, which remains unsolved, although there are theories that hold more water than others, and there are several, there's one, I guess, one or two theories that have been kind of settled upon. But officially, and I've been called on this, so that's why I say officially, Taylor's murder has never been solved. In 1937, she publicly announced to the Los Angeles Examiner newspaper, quote, Now I demand that I either be prosecuted for the murder committed 15 years ago or exonerated completely. If the DA has any evidence, he should prosecute. If not, then I should be exonerated. Shadows have been cast upon my reputation. <laughs> I'm sorry, but doing my my little quote voices makes me laugh. So, so she demanded that she be either prosecuted or exonerated. This is 1937. Like I say, it's never been solved. There was no movement on it at all. Years later, in 1970, she, uh, in an interview... She described Taylor as her mate, quote-unquote, 
Minter recalled going to view Taylor's body immediately after the murder. She was in shock, and she demanded to be used for a blood transfusion to revive him. She didn't believe that he was dead. Actually, she didn't believe that he was dead until she was able to touch his body in the morgue. That deadly cold... Well, forgot my voice. That deadly cold. It convinced me as nothing else could have done. No life can return to this man. She broke down and sobbed. They crucified Jesus. Now they've crucified... They've crucified my mate. You know, it's a shame. She she held that candle for him for for all those years until nineteen se- well until until the day of her death. But even in nineteen seventy, she was still, you know, almost pining for him. After the scandal, she made four more motion pictures for Paramount. Her last picture was called "The Trail of the Lonesome Pine" in nineteen twenty three. Nineteen twenty three. Then the studio did not renew her contract. Doesn't say why. I wasn't able to to figure out why i guess it, just due to the scandal I, I suppose i'm not sure she was they viewed her as being kind of tainted uh she received many other offers from other studios and directors but she declined them all saying that she had never actually been happy as an actress so hmm. in late 19 we'll go back a little bit in late 1922 this is several months after taylor's death she became romantically involved for a short period of time with uh, news correspondent and movie critic Louis Sherman. In 1925, Minter sues her mother for accounting of the money that Shelby had received during her film, during her screen career. The case was settled out of court when then the settlement was signed by Minter and her mother Shelby, Charlotte Shelby, at the American Consulate in Paris, France in 1927. So that went on for two years. Her and her mother bitterly dealing with monetary issues, Charlotte Shelby. Is that what I said? Anyway, in 1957, she married wealthy real estate developer Brandon O. Hildebrandt. They remained married until O. Hildebrandt's death in 1965. Minter commented through her life that she was content to live without her Hollywood career, and she later reconciled with her mother and proclaimed her love for Taylor throughout her life. Like I said, she carried that can even though she was married, you know, it was her first love. Minter's money had been invested in Los Angeles real estate, and she lived in relative comfort and prosperity. Uh, she moved to a house in Santa Monica, and her mother lived with her until she until her death in 1957. In 1981, things get a little rough. In 1981, Minter is severely beaten in a burglary at her home, in which more than $300,000 worth of antiques, china, and jewelry were stolen. A former live-in companion and genuine piece of trash, I added that, a former live-in companion and three other people were later charged with attempted murder and burglary. Uh, that kind of stuff, it's just terrible. You know, eighty-one or 1981 rather. So, 1981, she was born in 1902, so 79 years old. Somebody breaks in and beats a 79-year-old woman to rob her. That's just, I hope that those people, I sincerely hope that something terrible happened to all four of those people. The police described her as a frail old woman, obviously, and people were often shocked to learn that she had once been a famous movie star. She died at the age of 82, from a stroke in Santa Monica. 
She was cremated and her ashes were scattered at sea. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, 1724 Vine Street, if anyone is interested. And as is common with silent stars, and we're, we're learning more and more of in this podcast, that much of her work has been lost. Like I said, she made over 50 films, 54 films, approximately a dozen of which are known to exist today. In the 90s, a print of her movie, of one of her movies that came out in 1919, there's a print of a 1919 picture called The Ghost of Rosie Taylor surfaced in New Zealand. A lot of these pictures surface in New Zealand. Uh, I've read a couple of articles where they end up, you know, they send them down there. It's New Zealand from Hollywood at the time was probably the last place they sent a picture, you know, last run for a first run. And, uh, you know, they just, they kept them down there, I guess. They didn't know what, what else to do with them. So that a lot of movies from back then in that era are being found in New Zealand. Other known surviving films include Youth's Endearing Charm, 1916, and A Dream of Two Ago, A Dream or Two Ago, <laughs> 1916 also. Innocence of Lizette, 1916, The Eyes of Julia Deep, 1918, Nurse Marjorie, 1920, and A Cumberland Romance. So that is the career and life of Mary Miles Minter. Interesting, and we I mentioned just a minute ago that um, you know that she had her she had her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Just today on Facebook, I saw a story where the first handprint and footprints at uh, Man's Chinese Theater, which is now Grauman's, were put in there by uh, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks and Norma Talmadge, who we'll do a show on later. Norma, the originals. They, they chiseled up and uh, moved the slabs so that they could do, I don't know what they were doing exactly, cement work or the, the entrance, the entryway, and uh, they were lost. Apparently, the, the ones that they have there now were copies, you know, and uh, the original foot, actual slabs of cement where the footprints were and written with a nail, signed with a nail that they had found on the ground. Uh, were just found in a uh, an airplane hangar, and they're in the process of working to get the originals back to the theater. The man who owned them said that he contacted the theater years ago, and they didn't want them back. They, I, but the owner of the theater now says, no, 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 that never happened. Anyway, it was just an interesting thing that I happened to see today, and with the uh, Walk of Fame brought it to mind. It has nothing to do with Mary Miles Minter. That's going to do it for this week of Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. Mary Miles Minter. Pretty cool. She lived a nice long life. Doesn't seem like she missed Hollywood all that much. She went on to, uh, you know, to live a happy life. Although she did carry a torch and uh, seemed to pine for William Desmond Taylor her whole life uh, as her first love. And I don't think she had anything to do with his death. Uh, but that's just me. And what do I know? Anyway, I have been your host, Gabriel Russo. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> GRusso1971 at GRusso, R-U-S-S-O, 1971. You can check out some art on Facebook if you want. Facebook.com slash art. Email me, G period, A period, Russo, R-U-S-S-O, 1971 at gmail.com if you'd like. Go to podomatic.com, write a comment, that's where the podcast is hosted. You can go to iTunes, please, if you would, and leave a, if you like the show, leave a review. If you don't like the show, just keep it to yourself. That'll be our little secret. 
Join me next time. Thank you for downloading and listening once again. When I see the numbers for this podcast and uh, and I get the occasional message and I am just floored that uh, the people listen and floored and touched and I'm so glad. It's great. I feel like we're learning about these people together because I frankly don't know anything about them either or very little about them. I know a bunch of names and then I look them up. I used to get all my information from Wikipedia strictly. Um, I've branched out a little bit, and I am trying to do a little more research. I'm not going crazy, and this isn't a college-level research podcast. But, anyway, thank you for listening, and join me next time on Hollywood Scandals of Yesteryear. (laughs) 